the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Debman, and I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. How are you doing this evening, Trey? I am doing fantastically. How are you? I'm great. I've been excited about this show. I teased it a little last week because this week we have one of my dear friends on the air with us, Jay Beaver. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome. And Jay is a new cigar smoker. We are tilling new soil here <laughs> with Jay Beaver. It's been a long time since we've had someone, and you and I have smoked for so long, it's really important, I think, Jay's going to bring to light a lot of things, the fundamentals that we may not have covered. Right, and there's some things that we can think about from our perspective and our memory that maybe we didn't, maybe we aren't crystallizing. So when did you start kind of getting into it as a hobby? As a hobby, uh, about a month and a half ago when I started attending the weekly poker games here. Oh, okay. Yes, we are recording a little early this week. We're recording on a Tuesday night. Which we don't usually do. And when Jay started coming to the poker games and asked me, Shane, can you help me figure out cigars? Help me learn me, teach me about cigars. <laughs> I knew it was an amazing opportunity to, have some, to bring someone into the podcast that has questions. And I, cigar knowledge is one of those things... You can fake it till you make it, but you may never half-ass it till you amass it. <laughs> Put your entire ass into everything. That's right. Well, speaking of which, I notice your your list of questions is definitely uh, well thought out and um, well amassed. But before we get into that, why don't we light up our cigars? So tonight I'm smoking big time, fellas. Tonight I am smoking the Padron Soberano Tubo 1964 Anniversary. That is an amazing cigar. Square tube cigar. This is my first one I've had. I love Padron. Uh, Padron J is the gold standard of the cigar industry. People can say what they want about Cuban. They can say what they want about Davidoff. But Padron is the gold standard in my eyes. And that one in particular, uh, people who follow us on Instagram will probably recognize that cigar as the one that I posted on my birthday. So it is it is definitely, for me, it's a cigar for a special occasion, but for you, apparently, it's for a Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday nights are a special occasion for him. Um, but I'm really interested. The one I had was the natural, not the Maduro. So I'm really interested to hear your review on that. Well, we're going to fire it up while you tell them what you're smoking. So I am reaching in the Wayback Machine for mine. Uh, I haven't smoked this cigar in probably two or three years. It's the Camacho Triple Maduro. So they Camacho has always been known for big, bold, in-your-face flavors. And in about 2013, Davidoff bought them and kind of rounded off their blends a little bit, but not in a bad way. I really like what they did. They increased the consistency, so you really know what you're getting into. Davidoff's great for that. And it really just kind of rounded off the rough edges that Camacho was known for back before that. Uh, this Something else that's kind of unusual for me is this is actually a 6x60. I don't usually smoke cigars quite that big. Uh, there were two options in the humidor. They've got another size in there that's, I think it's called like the 11-18 or something like that. And it's tapered on both ends, and I've never been able to enjoy the draw I get out of that cigar. So I thought, well, lesser of two evils, let's go for the 6x60. And so I selected the cigar for Jay tonight because as our guest, I felt I always love to select a cigar for someone else. One of the greatest things somebody can do is say to me is, hey, Shane, help me pick out a cigar for the night. Because I'm always going to spend a lot of time really thinking about what I know about the person where they're at in their palate, what kind of beer they like to drink. We always speak about this. One of the questions you'll ask a cigar smoker, someone who's new, when you start asking, when they say, what should I smoke? How do you take your coffee? If they take it with a lot of cream and a lot of sugar, you want a very light cigar. If they take it black and straight, you want a more Maduro. So the color of your coffee coincides with the color of the cigar you will be smoking. In many cases. So I chose for him the classic, the Don Pepin Garcia used Cuban classic. Mm -hmm. Some called it the black. Yes, the black label. And it is just a wonderful cigar. It qualifies in a lot of instances for the cigar under $8. Yeah, depending on where you find it. it, it I remember when I first got into cigars, it was kind of at the top of the price point at that time, some 13 years ago now. 
and it's but it it their price point is hung on. They haven't really gone up with the rest of the industry, so now they're right in there uh, with a lot of the the more economical smokes, and, and it's just a fantastic cigar. It's in that Padron is just excellent. <laughs> There's no substitute for a Padron. There really isn't. It's hard. I know when my wife comes in here and sees that I'm smoking a Padron, she's, what happened today? Did you have a good day? Because <laughs> that's usually it. So first thing we should talk about, Jay, is how do you cut your cigar? That was actually on the list of questions I have. Does cut does the cut really affect the, uh, the flavor, or is there one that's better than any other? Shane and I have differing opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> I noticed Shane punched his, and you put a straight cut on yours. Yes. I pretty much default to the straight cut every time. It's no muss, no fuss. It's pretty much the industry standard in terms of just what most people use. And, in fact, the Calibri cutter that I use is based on the it's the exact same platform as the V-cut that they developed. But I just love the, the cut that I get out of it every single time. I find that when I punch a cigar, I tend to feel like I've got kind of like a choke on a carburetor. I feel like I don't get, I feel like you're funneling a lot of smoke, especially since I smoke, tend, tend to be bigger ring gauge cigars. You funnel a lot of smoke into a small outlet. I, I don't really enjoy that as much. I do like the fact that I don't get a whole lot of tobacco flakes in my mouth and stuff like that. But for me, the straight cut just works. So I always start with a punch because I can punch it, and if that doesn't give me the draw, now the draw, it should just be slightly stiffer than if you're sucking through a straw. To me, I always always um, associate the draw of a cigar with the quality of the cigar. To me, the lighter the draw, the better quality cigar I feel like I have in my possession. To an extent. Occasionally you can get one that's just like, where, where there's no resistance whatsoever. But, now this is also, we even have a difference in the way we straight cut. I have another cigar sitting here, and I want to show you. You'll see when Trey straight cut his cigar, he actually took part of the tobacco off of his cigar. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how most of the people in the world cut straight cut their cigar. Now, I hate getting little I tobacco. I take offense to that. I shave <clears throat> the top of that thing. Thank you very much. Now, now wait. <laughs> Sorry, before you do that, I noticed he used a cutter that looks a lot like a guillotine, and you've got what looks like a pair of circumcision scissors. Well, he's a moil on his... <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm about to We'll say a prayer before we cut this cigar. But I like the scissors because I like the dexterity the scissors offer me. Because if you'll watch what I'm about to do to this cigar... I take and I take my scissors. Now I'm just going to rotate my scissors around that cap. And I'm just going to barely pull the cap off of that cigar. I'm not actually cutting any tobacco. All I'm cutting is cap. Now that was probably the worst <laughs> I have ever done that particular task. The, the pile of tobacco on your on the table kind of the pile of cap on my phone. <laughs> but I've gotten better haircuts at supercuts. You notice I just lifted the cap off the end of that cigar. And the reason being, I don't like to get little tobacco pieces in my mouth. And one of the things you can do, one of the most damaging things you can do to a cigar is overcut it. If you cut a cigar too deep, you mess up the draw, you mess up the whole experience. Always remember you can take more off, you can never put it back on. And now uh, I noticed when I lit mine, I charred the hell out of the end uh is what the hard and fast rule best way to light one initially so this is another arena where shane and i differ i'm a big fan of the soft flame i've talked about it many times on the show before um i just like the coverage i get and it's it's a lot less intense heat than you get from a jet especially when you get up into the quads and triple flames and things like that um Last week, Shane and I actually got into a little bit of a discussion uh, about whether or not you can actually light a cigar in 10 seconds or less. And I've been challenging myself. Every cigar that I've smoked since then, I've been timing. And I'm actually usually around eight seconds to light my cigar. One of the things I like about the soft flame is that you tend not to get a whole lot of that charring just because it is a a little bit uh, less intense heat. 
but also you get great coverage of the foot of the cigar. So you can really just hold it right at the edge of the flame and draw through the cigar, and it pulls the flame in and gets a nice even light every time. I always believe you should hold the cigar above the flame. Never let the cigar touch the flame at a 45-degree angle. And then draw the flame into the cigar. And your first four or five draws, you won't think you're doing anything, but then it'll start coming alive all at once. And then rotate. Once you, once you get that first hint of smoke, begin rotation. Rotate it for two full turns. Take it out, blow on the end, and you should have a perfect red cherry on the end of that cigar. I also noticed that your lighter looks like it would come in handy if, say, the axle of my car broke. <laughs> Just weld it right on the side of it. Well, I like to be able to light the ogre <laughs> if necessary. If I'm going to light a 7x70, a soft flame is not going to get the job done for me. But, and that's, that's, that's a matter of personal taste, I think, you know, just like everything else. And that's, you know, so much, that one of the reasons that we disagree so often on little things like this is because it's such a personal experience. You know, you're going to develop your, your habits and your quirks and your muscle memories. You know, I light a cigar the exact same way every single time to the point that actually last week, um, because we had been having that discussion about the 10 seconds or less, I was, sit- I was holding my left hand up and counting so that he could see that I was going to light my cigar in under 10 seconds. And because my brain is so ingrained with and just second nature to the way I light a cigar, it couldn't comprehend the fact that my left hand wasn't on the cigar and I actually opened my mouth and dropped my cigar on the floor. <laughs> so it does become second nature. And the light is really important because a cigar should smolder. A cigar should not burn. You should not have, you shouldn't hold it. If you hold a cigar within a half inch of your hand and you're feeling heat, you've got too hot a light on your cigar. You can see how close I'm holding this Padron to my hand and I can hold it there all night. It's not hot. It's moldering just perfectly, giving all of the tobacco the ability to release flavor throughout the cigar and the cigar will change thermodynamically as the whole cigar heats and i i find that most of that comes down to the cigar construction than it does i I feel like lighting the cigar is lighting the cigar if you are just freight train just smoking it constantly it's going to get much much hotter and if it's not a particularly well-made cigar, where if there's a lot of air moving through it, those things are going to contribute to how hot it burns. Also, you know, how humid it is, how dry it is, that sort of thing. I find that being too hot or too cold as, a, as it burns tends to be more a, a construction issue. Now, I have to ask you, you've smoked cigarettes ever since I've known you. And just a little history about Jay and I. Jay is my wrestling buddy. He comes over to my house for wrestling events. We were introduced. Watching. Watching, watching wrestling, <laughs> yes. We were. We're working up to that one. Yeah, well, he'll, he'll pop the question at some point. But Jay is one of those people that from the day I met him, he and I just connected on multiple levels. We just connected on our love of wrestling. We've connected on so many of our different ideologies and different principles, although I'm more religious. Jay is more atheist. But that's the great thing. You can embrace other facets of life. Right. You don't want to smoke with people that are just like you. Well, so how did you make it knowing him for so long before he was able to to tie you into this hobby of his? Well, he's allowed me (laughs) access to his humidor uh, at these events. And to give him credit, I have never disliked a cigar that he has selected for me. He's done well for me so far, and since I figured I'm going to be coming here more frequently, at least once a week for these poker games, I might as well acquire some knowledge and actually look like I know what I'm doing here. (laughs) Well, so, as we're continuing, what's your next question? I don't want to dominate the conversation. uh, Earlier, you mentioned the Ogre, a 7x70, and you mentioned ring gauge earlier. Uh, Is there a difference between barrel size, ring gauge, things like that, and does it really affect the flavor or quality of a cigar? It's another thing that I think goes to personal preference. I just like the way a 54 to 56 ring gauge cigars. So ring gauge is how big a round it is. So a 60-inch 
cigar, uh, 60 ring gauge cigar like I'm smoking is, is one inch across. So one ring is a 60th of an inch. Um, I always mess that up. So for me, what feels good in my hand, what feels good to smoke is somewhere in that 50 range. And some people will tell you that the smaller ring gauge is a truer taste of the cigar because you, the wrapper is a greater percentage of the overall tobacco, and so you're getting more of that flavor. Um, I think it's just a matter of what you like. Well, and the argument can be made that a larger ring gauge cigar can be more complex because you can put more tobacco in it. Um, one of our friends of the show, a good friend of mine, Don Pedro Gonzalez, he produced his anniversary edition, and it was a 60-ring gauge torpedo. It was huge for him. And I said, Pedro, why did you make such a big cigar? He said, because I could not get the complexity I wanted in any smaller a ring gauge. And that also, you know, his tobacco is Nicaraguan. He does some San Andreas. But the region of the world the tobacco comes from has a lot to do with the taste of the tobacco. That was one of my next questions. The, the different regions, they affect the taste, the wraps on them. What's... So I know, I don't know if you're a big wine drinker, but you'll hear, you'll hear it talked about there a lot where, you know, the, re, the regions have different flavors. It, tobacco is the same way. You know, the, the biggest... I'd say the two leading growing areas are the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. And so Nicaraguan, just because of the soil, and of course Cuba's in there too, but the Nicaraguan soil is a little bit more acidic, so you get a little bit more peppery flavors, whereas I find that Dominican cigars tend to have more earthy, natural sort of oaky tones to them. Um, I'm not a big flavor notes kind of guy. I don't really get into that too much. But you can definitely tell the difference between a Nicaraguan cigar, a Dominican cigar, or, or like this one, which has a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. You can, you can, as you develop your palate, you'll notice maybe not so much what each one tastes like, but which you like more. And Nicaraguan tobacco is my favorite. I'm always going to be a bigger fan of a Nicaraguan tobacco than anywhere else they come from. But also there's different ways and manners in which they treat tobacco. Um, the... DNA that comes from La Aurora. I smoked it a couple of weeks ago on the show. It's done with a Andullo tobacco, which is actually put into bundles and buried to age rather than hanging. You've seen tobacco barns where in the south where it's all hanging. That is actually buried to ferment. Mm -hmm. And then you'll also hear some terms thrown around like sun-grown, shade-grown, things like that. That all... It, that all just adds different complexities and brings certain flavors out and dampens certain flavors, as well as, you know, Lajero is actually a part of the plant, which tends to be a little bit stronger. So there's there's a whole lot that goes into what's going to make a particular leaf taste a certain way. Oh, okay. And we'll talk here later in the show. I'll talk to you about blending, but let's get through the basic questions first, because that's the part I really want us to, to drill down on with you. Okay. Uh Okay. Um, one of my big questions I have, uh, a, a good humidity to store a cigar. So there's a lot of different theories on this. Um, Hinky, the master blender for Avo Cigars, I got to have a conversation with him in an event. And Hinky said, the drier the cigar, the more flavor you will receive, but the hotter it will burn. The wetter the cigar, the slower it will burn. Um, Standard industry standard is? 70% humidity. Be 70%. I keep my humidor about 68. I prefer a little bit drier cigar around the 68% as well. Uh, one of the things that I tell, you know, having worked in the cigar industry, both on the retail side and things, is, is there's a couple of things that I tell people that are first, like, get it, building their first humidor. Number one is don't become a slave to that number. Every time you open it, open your humidor, that's going to change what the humidity level, um, where it's placed in your house, all of those things. So it, use it as a, a rule of thumb. Use it as a general guide, but don't become a slave to it. 71 instead of 70 or whatever it is. The other thing is, do you enjoy the cigars that you smoke that come out of it? If you're enjoying the way they draw and taste, then you're right where you need to be. Outstanding. Uh, the reason I ask that question is because I work for a guy who occasionally smokes cigars, and he keeps his refrigerated. 
thoughts, ideas, feelings, um, gripes, complaints? So I would, I mean, if it works for him, it works for him, and that's great. Um, that's the most political answer I can think of. Refrigerators are a very humid environment. They're a very moist environment. Anyone who has left a piece of fruit in the crisper drawer for a little too long knows exactly what I'm talking about. So it's really hard to maintain humidity in that scenario. And the other thing is, is your, you know, the flavors get a chance to mellow and, and meld and age. Uh, by, by refrigerating them, you limit their ability to do that. Also, you run the risk of contaminating your cigars. If you put your cigars in the crisper with the plums, your cigars may pick up some of that plum flavor. Which you may like. Yeah, it may. You know, there's techniques for doing it that way. I prefer a cigar to taste like a cigar. And if you'll notice when you come to my house, my wife smokes flavored cigars. Those are secured outside of my main humidor. (laughs) They are secured in her private humidor because I don't want the flavoring to leak into my more pure cigars. And to that point, if you ever find yourself with somewhere to be and a whole lot of cigar left and you decide to kind of save it for later, some people will talk about whether or not you should relight a cigar once it's gone out. I don't have a problem with it personally, but you would never want to put that cigar back in your humidor because that stale smoke is going to contaminate everything you put with it. Um, So there is a process, though, if you are going to relight a cigar. When you finish that cigar, tap the ash off close to the end and blow back through it. Try to blow out that old smoke so that when it does go out naturally, it's not full of stale smoke. And just gently. I mean, you're not trying to put a golf ball through a garden hose. You're just trying to just knock whatever residual ash is off the end. Um. One more question about the humidity, if I may. Yeah, of course. I feel Uh, like I'm at a Senate committee hearing. The way he keeps pointing when he's addressing questions to one of us. He's got his notepad there. (laughs) Point with the pen. Point with the pen. Um, If a cigar does get too dry Mm -hmm. and starts burning too hot, uh, down and dirty, real quick advice for moistening it back up. Throw it in a humidor and walk away. Forget about it for a month. Um, I believe that a cigar is never so dry that it can't be brought back. I've tested that theory on a number of occasions. <laughs> well, I received as a gift two Christmases ago a whole humidor of CAO Gold Maduro cigars. They don't make these anymore. Oh, that was a fantastic cigar. Oh, one of my one of my builders, he knew the guys that operated CAO when CAO operated here in Nashville. They gave him this humidor full of cigars, and he didn't smoke cigars, so he passed it on to me. But when I got them, they were dry, and I mean desert dry. They were actually, I would say, a good two ounces lighter than that cigar should have been. (laughs) And next time we have a wrestling, I'll let you smoke one, because I have slowly brought those back to life, and that's been a two-year process. And depending on, I mean, if it's something where it's been sitting in your car or it's been sitting out for a a number of days, maybe a week or two, that can that's going to come back to life a lot quicker than something that's been sitting out for a number of years. And same with cellophane. Cellophane on the cigar is going to keep that moisture in longer so it can stand being out of a humidor a little bit longer. But if you're really trying to pump some humidity back into it, I would take it out of the cellophane. Uh, you just kind of touched on one of my next questions. Uh, how long can a cigar usually last if you don't have a humidor or a good way to store a cigar if you don't own a humidor? So a human, So here's the thing. When you pick up a humidor, for a cigar out of the humidor at the shop, it supposedly is already at the perfect humidity. Depending on the weather conditions, if you're in the dead of winter, it's going to dry out very quickly. If you're in summer where it's Tennessee and it's a, you know, 150,000% humidity, you don't have to worry about it so much. Well, and then it can go the other way as well. I mean, you can end up with a cigar. I say in general about a week. You don't want to be leaving it in your car, but if it's on the kitchen counter somewhere out of direct sunlight, somewhere where it's just kind of a nice, cool 70 degrees or whatever, about a week and you should be good. Okay. Well, we're going to step away for a break real quick. When we come back, we'll talk to you about etiquette. We've talked about the nuts and bolts of smoking the cigar. He shot bolt upright when you said that. That's right. (laughs) But there's etiquette to be observed in a cigar shop. There's etiquette to be observed for your cigar. Bear in mind, 
you're not buying a cigarette that was rolled with no love and no heart, that was just pieces of tobacco stuffed into paper and chemicals added for the ability to sell them. A craftsman worked on this cigar. This Padron cigar that I'm smoking was rolled by a person who's invested a significant portion of their life, whose father probably was a roller. And they have put a lot of love and craftsmanship into this stick. And that requires a certain amount of respect to the cigar. He should be a writer, shouldn't he? (laughs) I agree wholeheartedly. Very erudite individual. Well, we're going to step away for a quick second, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, blowing the eardrums out of everyone around. Apparently, I was a little close to the microphone. <laughs> Just a touch. This is what happens when we have a guest on the show. We give them your headphones, and so you're just kind of lost in the breeze a little bit. Well, the people whose eardrums I have hopelessly damaged in the reintro is Trey Deadman. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. And my good friend, Jay Beaver. Thank you guys again for having me. We are he, happy okay, to have stop. You. He's about to relight his cigar. Use the soft flame. And all you just pull it down like that and use the soft flame and relight that cigar. Switch is on the side. Can't even figure out your lighter. And you can You put can the, get a little closer than Yeah, that. you can put the soft flame on the end of the cigar. And what I'm when you relight the cigar, I always blow out the old smoke before. There you go. And the soft flame is a great relighter because you can't hardly light too hot with the soft flame. And Shane, even though he was about 400 feet from the end of that flame, he still got it lit in 12 seconds. 12 so. seconds. See, 10 seconds. You cannot. I cannot no, light I, a cigar in 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I, I took a little longer than I really needed to. But that's a friend. That's a real yeah, friend. Yeah, he's, he's hedging you. your bets for you. He, he keeps all of these things in mind. Really, here's what I wanted to do for this show and decided not to because I didn't want to put you in it. I really wanted to lay a Tennessee waltz and an undercrown shade in front of you and make you choose who you loved more, me or Trey. <laughs> come here, come here, come here. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that would be too cruel. Plus, if you did choose the waltz, that's a little stiff for where you're at right now in your cigar smoking. You wouldn't have made it through the poker game, that's for sure. I got to tell you, Shane, the one you selected for me is amazing. I'm loving the draw, the flavor, the consistency. It is It's amazing. made by that My Father factory, and My Father is a fact. This is funny because My Father was a cigars. I rarely smoked till I started doing this podcast, and Trey showed me the light. <laughs> it is one of my favorite factories in terms of, I mean, everything that they produce in their own label, like the, the blue label, the original, uh, the Jaime Garcia line is one of my go-to favorites. The La Antigüedad, the Florida Las Centias, and now a lot of the cigars that I talk about from Crown Heads that I'm so in love with are made in that same factory. Before we went to break, you told me you were going to teach me some cigar shop etiquette. Please do. I do not want to look. I do not want to be that guy. Well, and these are not, we're not going to throw you out for very many of these, for very many infractions here. But there are some general rules. Um, Number one is enjoy your cigar and enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. Uh, How you hold your cigar, if you'll notice, Trey and I hold our cigars back in the crook. I hold mine to about my knuckles. Trey holds his a little deeper back in his hand, just the way we hold it. Manage your smoke. You'll notice as I'm smoking this cigar, I'm always looking up and blowing it away from the crowd so that the smoke can rise. That way, you and I both don't need to enjoy this Padron. (laughs) If I sat here and blew this Padron on you for an hour, I would expect you to give me $5. (laughs) Well, and that that also, especially, you know, around a poker table or when you're kind of in a crowded area, that makes a little bit more... Of, a, of an impact on those around you. If you're sitting sort of off in a corner, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the most shops have significant enough ventilation. It's not something you should really worry about unless you're sitting, you know, conversational distance from somebody. And always remember, if you, if you 
follow one basic rule. If there's only one thing I could impart cigar etiquette-wise to someone smoking cigars, this is a gentleman's pursuit. A cigar encourages good conversation. It encourages multiple viewpoints coming to light. It's a time when you actually sit and share conversation with one another. Cigars can bring us together. I have friends now in this from the cigar hobby that I have, and I don't call it a habit. I call it a cigar hobby because if I didn't smoke a cigar tomorrow, it wouldn't break me. It wouldn't be a big deal. If I didn't smoke a cigar for a week, it wouldn't be a big deal in my life. It is a hobby. It is a destination for me. It is my time to unwind. And being around other men conducting themselves as gentlemen while I'm doing that, always serve that you're the person there enhancing the experience rather than taking away from it. And one thing that I would bring up, just because I know that you also smoke cigarettes from time to time, is that unlike a cigarette, when you're ready, when you're done with your cigar, just set it in the ashtray and let it go out on its own. There's no need to snuff it out in the ashtray. Basically, you're going to end up with this massive plume of smoke, and it also damages the it can can damage the uh, the veneer on the ashtray, that sort of thing. Thank you. Also, it makes it harder to clean. We're going to speak for a moment about ashtray management. <clears throat> and as you know, I put too much thought into everything I do. But if you'll see the ashtray, you see the ashtray that we have here in front of us. Um, it's very similar to the one we're giving away on the website. Please go to our Facebook page and see our ashtray contest we currently have going on. It's also up on Twitter and Instagram as well. Very nice Oliva ashtray, very classy. And you'll see there's grooves where the cigars are delayed, and then there's edges. When you tap your cigar, always tap it on the edge. Never tap your cigar in the groove. Because what you do when you tap your cigar in the groove, you get ashes in the groove. And when you go to lay your cigar down, you're going to get ash on your cigar. So especially if you're using a communal ashtray, such as there's three of us here smoking and we're all using the same ashtray, go to the edge when you tap. You'll get a better tap and you won't be spreading ash around to everyone there. Now, hey, something I don't disagree with you on. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> a red letter day. <laughs> Also, label management. The label. Now, the reason there are labels on cigars. In the infancy of cigar smoking, gentlemen wore white gloves. They put labels on the cigar so that you could hold the cigar by the label and not get tar on your gloves. So, how far down? Some people smoke it all the way down to the label. Some people take the label off initially. Um, how do you determine, I'll let Trey answer this, how do you determine when your label should go? So speaking of the My Father Factory, this I, I promise it's pertinent. Uh, one of the only criticisms I've ever had on their cigars is that the label oftentimes, when I go to take it off, will bring some of the wrapper leaf with it. And someone once told me that if you'll smoke till you get pretty close to the band, the tobacco underneath it will heat up to a point that it'll release some of that glue because it's an organic, you know, it's just a vegetable paste kind of glue. So the heat will actually melt it enough and then you won't have that problem anymore. Uh, the other thing I would say on that is you will go into some shops. It's kind of an etiquette. The, the industry is fairly well split on this as far as I can tell. Some people say you take the band off before you even light it. And the idea is that you don't want to be sitting over there smoking a Padron. Someone else is smoking a Baccarat, and they feel like they can't sit at the table with you because of the price difference and just some of the, the elitism that may either preserved or either perceived or actual. Um, I, I'm not in that camp, but I always say if you're going into a shop for the first time, just kind of look at what everyone else is doing from an etiquette standpoint as it applies to bands. See, and, you know, we've spoken about the mayor of the cigar shop, El Presidente, and he's pretty easy to identify in most shops. He's the guy that generally spends more time in a leather chair here than he does at home in his recliner. <laughs> and if you look how he's smoking, that's a pretty good rule to how everyone's going to be smoking there in that shop. Mm -hmm. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, what question, what etiquette question do you have? Do you have etiquette questions? Uh, you guys have covered most of them. Uh, when is a cigar finished? Do you snuff it or let it sit? Um, my great uncle 
always, always, always used to have a cognac and a cigar, and he always used to dip the tip. And I had, I'm looking around, and I don't see anyone here pulling that particular trick. Is there a reason for that, or is it considered bad manners, disrespectful to the cigar per se? N- not at all. In fact, there are several people that do that. It's kind of an old-timer's trick. But, um, you know, it just, it, it, it draws some of the flavor of that cognac or bourbon or whatever it happens to be uh, up into the cigar. Me, personally, I like to drink my drink and smoke my cigar. I don't like to drink my cigar or smoke my drink. And I think that harkens back to a day when cigar technology was not as prevalent as it is now. So when we speak of the blend of a cigar, let's talk, let's talk for a minute about the blend of a cigar. A tobacco plant has four primings. Forgive me, those of you who are very fluent in Spanish and know the name of each priming, I don't. You cut the top of the tobacco plant, then you wait two weeks, then you cut the second, the second priming, then you wait two weeks, then you cut the third priming, and then you cut the fourth priming, which is the Lajero. And how those four plimings are blended together is part of what creates the blend of the cigar. And the more sun a tobacco leaf receives, the stronger the tobacco will be that it produces. So a lot of times you'll actually see fields in Nicaragua where they have white sheets hung above the tobacco plants, reflecting some sunlight back because they're trying to get a milder flavor out of that cigar. Which is the technique shade grown, like the the underground shade that you're such a fan of. That's the technique they used to grow that. So for someone like me, who's fairly new to this and starting off slow, mild to a medium cigar, I should look for a shade grown. That's def- it's it's not <coughs> shade grown is not something that's terribly common, uh, and and when it is common, it's not always necessarily marketed that way. So anything in the milder range. Now, the general rule of thumb that is not always accurate is the, the, the darker the cigar, the stronger it is. That's not, that's not always accurate. But for the most part, it does hold true. You're going to end up, you know, for example, the Padron Maduro is one of the lighter Maduros that you're, gonna, that you're going to find. But it's still going to pack a lot of flavor and um, not a whole lot of strength. But, you know, so there's going to be some things that that really go on either side of that. But generally, if you stick to a lighter cigar in color, you're going to find a lighter bodied cigar as well. When Jay came here and started playing poker with us, he won two weeks in a row. So he got a great variety of cigars to go with it. And you, you really enjoy the Gilberto Oliva. I do. Great cigar. Good Nicaraguan, very light, very, very smooth cigar. Mm -hmm. And it is that Connecticut wrapper, that lighter wrapper, that lighter cigar. And it's a very good cigar. And some days I'm in the mood for a dark smoke. Some days I'm in the mood for a light smoke. So you kind of have to know your palate. The biggest thing that you're developing right now as you're developing your taste for cigars is you are developing your palate. And when they're blending cigars, they actually drink unsweet tea in between there. There's a master blender, a quality control guy, who's there smoking an inch off of a cigar out of a bundle to be sure it's up to standard. And in between, he will actually cleanse his palate with an unsweet tea. Your dream job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I would want to. That's too much cigar foreplay. Yeah. (laughs) Without enough, well, you do enough of it throughout the day. I'm sure you, you get where you need to go. I imagine, but I kind of like to, when I start a cigar, I'm there for the duration. <laughs> I like to go, and when we talk about how far down you smoke the cigar, there will people, be people that will tell you, and this is, this is another of those questions that no matter how we answer it, we're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I smoke my cigars until I cease to enjoy the cigar. Now, if that is until it's burning my tongue every time I take a draw, or if that's three-quarter of a cigar, I'm okay with it either way. Yeah, sometimes you'll notice it starts to bite your tongue or burn your fingers, or a lot of times the flavor will change significantly. It'll get very bitter, 
And for me, when that flavor, just because there's so much heat and tar built up that it just stops being the cigar that you were smoking, at that point, that's usually when I walk away from it. And never be afraid to throw away a cigar. I realize it's an investment, but life's too short to smoke a bad cigar. Uh, You and I talked about this outside of here, but uh, I'll figure I'll throw this out there for people. Every now and again, when I'm drawing on a cigar, I get almost a... How do I want to describe it? A sulfury taste. Mm -hmm. And I counter that because I blow back through my cigar about every fourth puff. I'll actually blow air back through my cigar. That way I can smoke it all the way down because I do smoke them all the way down to, to the point that they're burning my fingers in most instances. I actually have a pick that sometimes I'll smoke it and I'll take it all the way down with the pick. For me, I find that to be more indicative of a young cigar, one that could stand to use a little more time in the humidor. So especially if I encounter that with a box, I'll just set that box aside for a couple of months and give those flavors a chance to mellow out a little bit. Real quick side note, that pick, uh, you might not have that very long. I've been eyeballing that the last couple of events. Etiquette tip, don't steal from people. That's right. <laughs> don't, don't steal the provider of the cigar's equipment. <laughs> okay, uh appropriate without asking now now i know what to get you for christmas this year there you go see this has been informative on all sides that's right (laughs) um when we talk about the blending of a cigar and trey has touched on it and i've touched on it but i do want to talk about aging a cigar aging a cigar properly is very key especially in the era we're in where they're having to get cigars out so quickly um last year we had the monster game. We have the monster poker game every year at Halloween because Tatawahe puts out a box of monster-themed cigars. Last year was the Kruger. I have a full box of Krugers that have never been opened because the ones I smoked that were from other boxes needed age. They have now been aging almost a year. I can't wait to break them out. Um, probably for the monster game this year, I'll yeah. probably break them out and share them with everybody. But the... Um, there's no substitute for age on a cigar. Which brings me to a... I'm sorry to go, interrupt. No, go for it. Um, you touched on getting them out quickly for certain things. Uh, I'm going to go very against my normal grain and hit on a couple of current events here. With the current weather conditions, the hurricanes rolling through all these big cigar-producing areas, your thoughts on how that's going to affect any quality or production levels... Most of the tobacco growing areas were relatively spared from a from a inventory standpoint. So they lost some they lost some man hours, they lost some time, which is going to slow production, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to have too much of a detrimental effect on the crop itself. And I had I didn't see any reports that any, you know, fermenting barns or anything like that were destroyed. I could be wrong, but I didn't see it. Well, and one of the things, all cigars are fermented. So a cigar like this Padron I'm holding, I'll guarantee you, was probably rolled in excess of a couple of years ago. And it's been sitting in a pilon in the large bundles of tobacco. The tobacco had been sitting in a pilon for several years actually fermenting. So if they miss a year's production, it doesn't necessarily affect their ability to put cigars out so much as the actual labor of putting a hand-rolled cigar together. All right. Thank you much. And um, an interesting story. This weekend, we will be attending the Barn Smoker for Drew Estates. Yes, we will. In Hopkinsville, Kentucky, where they actually grow the tobacco and season the tobacco for those particular cigars. Great event. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to the one in September in Hopkinsville and I've also got my tickets to the one in Convent, Louisiana for the Louisiana Barn Smoker because it's just a great day. They Drew Estates gives you a bunch of great cigars. You herf around with a lot of friends there. You get to see people and meet different people and you smoke really good cigars and they walk through the process there of actually what that's going to look like. And it's really a unique experience to be able to go through something like that uh, there's not a whole lot of cigar manufacturing, growing, things like that in the States. So it's really a unique experience to kind of, you know, take a Cigars 101 class, a manufacturing 101 class, not too far from home. And another quick etiquette tip. 
a gentleman never points with his cigar. Never as you're talking to somebody, point at them with your cigar and try to talk to them that way. He's saying that because I've been doing it all night. <laughs> <laughs> I had to check myself for a second. I was like, wait. Well, that's, uh, that's just a, an overall etiquette tip. You can always tell someone who's not been in the cigar lifestyle very long when they're pointing with their cigar at different things. It's not a pointer. Again, this is a handcrafted work of art. Well, I tend to point at people when I talk to them anyway. You know, I'm a very handsy guy. If you tied my hands behind my back, I wouldn't be able to talk. It does. It does com- depend on how animated a conversationalist you happen to be. So, what's your other questions? What else you got for us? I'm really enjoying this. Thank you for taking the time, by the way, because I'm really enjoying passing some of the basics because it's given me a refresher course in my basic cigars oh no gentlemen i very much appreciate you having me on here i'm learning a lot uh, i pretty much touched on all my questions i do have one i've heard you talk about infused cigars you were saying your wife likes to smoke the flavored cigars uh what exactly is an infused cigar and would you it- recommend it for a, for a first timer I smoke a few infused cigars. I'm a fan of the acid deep dish. I've smoked the Java by Drew Estates on this show. Um, the infused cigar, basically they use a oil on the tobacco is how Drew Estate does it, to infuse different flavors into their cigars. And it's good, but I like a cigar to taste like a cigar. And I personally don't like infused cigars at all. It's just for that same reason. I want my cigar to taste like a cigar. I don't, it's the same reason I don't dip the end of my cigar in whatever I'm drinking. It just doesn't fit my palate very well. Uh, there are some other, there's a, I think it was Warped Cigars, I could be wrong on that, that came out with one called Dragon's Milk uh, a few years ago that was a, a little bit different technique. Is, is Dragon's Milk is a, uh, I don't even remember the name of the brewery. There's a brewery that makes a beer called Dragon's Milk that's aged in, I want to say, bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels. And so what they do is they take the whiskey out, they leave a little bit in, they put the beer in, they age the beer. Well, then what they did was they took the beer out and they put the cigars in. So then the cigars, just through being in close contact with the edges of the barrels, and there was a little bit of residual in there as well, developed a little bit of the flavor of not only the whiskey, but also the beer itself. I didn't particularly care for it. I was At $20 a cigar, I was really bummed that I spent that and didn't really enjoy it at all. But hey, it is what it is. Well, and one of the cigars we'll be smoking this weekend at the Barn Smoker is actually the Pappy Van Winkle. These are aged in Pappy Van Winkle barrels. So they have that whiskey taste. I've yet to smoke one. I can't hardly wait. When I go to the barn smoker in Louisiana, they're going to be part of the experience. Is going to be a lot of Pappy Van Winkle cigars. And you and I will smoke one of those at Survivor Series this year. I look forward to it. Well, speaking of things that I look forward to, it's about that time to talk about our cigar under $8 this week. So our cigar under $8, it's getting cooler, it's getting close to deer season, and nothing for me is better than sitting in my deer stand late in the afternoon as the sun is going down, waiting on a deer to show up, and lighting a cigar. I love to sit and smoke a cigar. Now, the avid hunters out there, some of them are going to say, you're running the deer off, but I have as much fun sitting in the stand smoking that cigar out in in God's country, mm-hmm. out in the wild. I have as much fun with that as I do with actually having that. And the cigar under $8 tonight is my choice for that. It is the Hoya de Nicaragua Antonio, 1970 Robusto Grande. This is a 52 ring gauge cigar. It's five and a half inches long. It's a Nicaraguan Puro. And Puro means it is filler, binder, wrapper, or all Nicaraguan. So it's a Nicaraguan Puro, and this is my go-to deer hunting cigar. I love this cigar. And the nice thing about smoking a cigar while you're out there hunting is that when you're done with it, you don't have to field strip it and clean it. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, some see last week's show, Some me and Matilda have enjoyed a, a plethora of these Hoya de Nicaragua Antonios sitting in the deer stand because it's just it's great. I've shot deer while I had one. And I think sometimes deer see the smoke and deer are naturally curious creatures. I think they actually come to that at some point. 
I can drop a twangy guitar and make a country song out of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but the Hoya de Nicaragua and Team Antonio, its retail price is seven dollars and seventy cents. And that's a bargain for this cigar. Well, gentlemen, I can see them setting up the poker table behind us and is getting about that time. Jay, I really appreciate you coming on the show with us and kind of asking us some questions, forcing us to go back into in time to when we were smoking, first getting into it. Um, I want to encourage everyone who listens to reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast, and you can always email us info at thecigarcast.com and be sending us your show themes because one lucky listener who gets their theme chosen for episode 40 is going to win that nice Oliva ashtray we've been talking about. One last thing before we go, because I would be remiss. I did not note it last week, and I feel bad. Um, Trey, sorry, this is wrestling, but Jay and I are both avid wrestling fans, and the greatest manager that ever graced the squared circle passed away this week. Bobby the Brain Heenan passed away, age of 73, of organ failure. Mm. He had had some battles with throat cancer and things like that, but Bobby Heenan set the bar for if you're a wrestler and you couldn't talk, Bobby Heenan gave you a career. Bobby Heenan is responsible for the careers of Andre the Giant, of King Kong Bundy, of Ravishing Rick Rude, of so many great wrestlers. Big John Studd. And Haku. losing Bobby the Rain Heenan was a huge loss for the wrestling community. Um, his legendary matches he called with Gorilla Monsoon were some of the greatest wrestling ever put to tape. And we just really hope Bobby's in a better place and enjoying a good cigar now. Our thoughts and prayers go to his family. Us unworthy humanoids and ham and eggers will miss you forever, Bobby. Affectionately called the weasel. <laughs> and also, in memory of the weasel, I did want to stop and mention that before we sign off tonight. Jay, we're going to have you back on in a couple of months. I'm interested to see how your palate progresses, what cigars you start gravitating toward, how that works for you. It's um, very exciting, and welcome to the hobby. Again, gentlemen, thank you for having me. I've learned a lot. I hope my simple questions have helped others new to the hobby. And we hope the same. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you.